Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. Before we start this episode, we're going to again take a little time to thank a little bit of the people who helped make this show possible. First up is 2.0 Gear. Uh, it's a new brand that we just started partnering with. Uh, they make awesome uh, high-end technical uh, hunting clothes, camo. Um, and so they're based in Michigan yep. and a uh, new company. We've tested them for months. I tested them uh, in the whitetail season last year. Great Merino base layers. Yep. Great awesome Merino shells. Yep. Awesome a, new pattern. A great system for going out west, but we'll use it a ton in the, in the whitetail woods too. So really excited to work with them. 2ogear.com. Go check them out. Next up is Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Uh, it's it's an awesome, uh, basically, connection to outfitters all over the world. So as a lot of people know, good hunting ground is really hard to come by. And um, oftentimes, the best way to ensure that you're going to get in a good spot or you may, maybe you need to legally have a guide is to, to go through an outfitter. Mm -hmm. um, and so... As you might know, if you've heard us before, we've had good experiences and bad experiences with outfitters, uh, which means, you know, in order to ensure you're going to have a good experience, you have to do a ton of research. You have to talk to people. It's just a lot of messing around. Worldwide Trophy Adventures, or WTA, does a lot of this work for you at no charge. So by booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a good location with a reputable outfitter um, that they've certified and endorsed. If you're looking to book a trip of a lifetime like I am, mm -hmm. uh, just headed to a moose hunt here through WTA, you're going to want to check them out. Uh, go give them a call. Actually, I have the number right here. It's 1-800-346-8747 or check out their website at worldwidetrophyadventures.com. All right, so we love Trophy Line. They offer more than just saddles. Believe it or not, they have their own climbing sticks. They've got platforms. They've got a ton of extra packs. Gear. They've got packs. They've got everything. Knee pads. Everything that you're going to need to be a saddle hunter, they have it. So if you want to start saddle hunting this year and get into the game like everyone else and really love hunting even more, go to Trophy Line. Check it out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on that purchase. We're big bow hunters. Uh, sights, quivers, stabilizers, those kind of things are really important if you're going to have a deadly setup. Um, and so we've tried a lot of different companies in the industry and we've kind of figured out that we really like Redline gear the best. So, um, we are shooting their torch sites this yeah, year. It's Joe a, Shore, it's a really cool, one. really cool site. Very, there's a lot of good micro adjustments you can make. You mm -hmm. can customize a lot of the stuff on there really make it your own. The chargeable USB rechargeable yeah, light is really sweet. Cool. Um, and so we're huge fans of their stuff. We use them all the time. It's worth going to check them out. Uh, check out Redline. Use the promo code TFC10 for 10% off your purchase. And uh, let us know what you think. We love them. Jared Mills, welcome to the Fair Chase podcast. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited yeah. for this. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time, uh, especially when you're just out there getting videos of like the craziest deer videos that like are out there right now i don't know how many big bucks you get close to in a year but it like puts pretty much every other guy out there to shame like it's, pretty awesome stuff it is crazy how often it happens and it's i mean it's a lot of luck involved in that obviously so uh, it's pretty cool it's one of the things i love about filming though really it's just to, to be able to capture that type of just deer behavior up close is is my motivator for carrying a camera, you know, every day in the woods. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that experience some really cool things, but for me to be able to capture it and look back on it at any time is, is the reason I love filming. Yeah, man. I've, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, oh, I wish I had a camera or 
Sometimes right. I'll even have a camera with me and I'll forget to turn it on. Like <clears throat> a couple, maybe a month ago, a little over a month ago now, I was out, like got out late. I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, uh, go to a spot where I can kind of glass this really open section of just public land in here in Michigan, where I'm like, I'm pretty sure bucks will be cruising through. I'm going to be from a distance. I don't want to mess it up. And I'm walking out. I'm kind of running. I get out late in the morning. It's already light. Um, so I'm like, well, I, man, I got my camera in my bag. It was just a GoPro, but it was one that goes on your head. And I was like, ah, I'm in a hurry. I'll just get it when I get set up. And sure yeah. enough, I'm like, as I'm running out there, I come up over a hill and like, I pop up over this hill on a power line on a trail. And there's a buck rubbing like 20 yards right in front of me. So I ended up shooting him at like 13 yards. I literally just walked out and shot him, but it would have been such epic footage if I would have had that GoPro on and right. shooting him from the ground and everything while he's making a rub on a tree. Um, and you no, know, if you would have taken the time to put the GoPro on your head, you wouldn't have seen him. <laughs> I've thought about that because it's like, I mean, how does the timing actually work out? It's like, it's got to yeah. happen perfectly. But no, it's it's cool that you, you film so much. Um, like I said, um, I... I've seen some of the stuff you're doing this year and you've done recently, but I've, I've been following some of the things you've been doing for a while. So for people who might not know you, um, like tell me a little bit about your background, uh, how you got into hunting, you know, what you've been a part of and kind of what you're doing now. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I, my, my dad and grandpa were my biggest influencers as far as getting into the outdoors. They weren't as big on deer hunting. They were more, you know, small game. They're they're biggest on on trapping. Actually, that's kind of where okay. I got my start. Was was tagging along with them. You know, checking trap lines as a kid, um, and of course, just grew to love the outdoors in general. But the the deer hunting aspect came a little bit later. You know, I, I kind of started getting interested in the bow hunting aspect. I, I did a little bit of gun hunting growing up, just your traditional. You know, couple weekends out of the year. Uh, gunning with family and friends, but started getting interested in the, the bow hunting side and kind of taught myself how to do that. Um, uh, just trial and error, really. I think that's the best way to learn. Just go out and fail a whole bunch of times in the woods yeah. and, and figure it out. So that was kind of cool. It, one really cool aspect I look, I like to look at, uh, back on is it's a little bit unique, but I got to kind of do it backwards and get my dad into bow hunting. Uh, after I had been doing it a few years and kind of be with him when he killed his first <clears throat> first year with a bow and um, so that that was really cool one of, one of my you know favorite memories as far as uh, the early days of bow hunting goes for me um, but from a career standpoint obviously I was ate up with it uh, throughout college and everything and when I was a, I believe I was a senior in college, uh, you know, you're in that time of looking at different career options and thinking about what you want to do. I had different options, but wanted to at least try to pursue something that aligned with that passion of, of bow hunting yeah. and ended up reaching out to Bill Winky uh, before graduation. He had, he had recently started Midwest Whitetail. And uh, so I drove up and you know, sat with him at his house and we kind of came up with a plan for uh you know, temporary internship position, I guess you call it. And uh, that's kind of where it all started. I was an intern for a few months, transitioned into a full-time uh, producer and cameraman for him. And uh, did that for a couple of years. Um, 
wanted to do a little bit more with with some of my you know background and business degree um and took a job on the retail side of the hunting industry worked uh in marketing and operations for muddy outdoors for a couple mm -hmm. of years but kind of the key for me in all of this was i continued to produce uh for bill on the side so no matter what career i worked i went from working in muddy i actually got out of the hunting industry for a few years and worked in the pharma pharmaceutical industry uh, just it's kind of funny you you think you, you want to work in the hunting industry and then you're like man you know this is a lot it's 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 very tricky mixing uh your passion with work you know it becomes this different thing so i you know wanted to try working outside of the hunting industry and keep hunting as a passion um, but even when i was doing the pharmaceutical stuff i would go home to my apartment or my house and would produce for bill. So, you know, guys would send me footage of hunts to edit <laughs> and I continue to do that on the side, um, just as basically an independent contractor. So, um, then on the flip side of that, after a few years of being outside the hunting industry, I got tired of not having enough vacation to hunt. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to find a way to get back into it. So in 2017, I got back into it full time and, that's pretty much what I've been doing since then is um, a lot of it revolves around the filming, the content. Um, you know, I, I love producing cool storylines. I think to me, even though we're in this very, very saturated market of hunting content and hunting videos, you can pretty much watch almost anything you want these days. The one thing that in my mind won't ever get old uh, are the stories. So that's why I really try to focus on with my own hunts and, you know, when I'm helping other people too, the storylines I think are, are always the thing that that will drive, um, interest from, from viewers and followers. So, um, I enjoy that. It's, it's, that's where I'm at with, from a career standpoint. Now I'm just kind of out on my own doing some marketing work for different companies in the industry, but really just trying to a couple things. One, just trying to keep the enjoyment hunting, you know, not make it too business-like, um, and not make, you know, different decisions, content decisions based on what other people want to see. I want to just, I want to hunt the way I want to hunt. And, uh, you know, if others can benefit from that, great. Um, but I would also want to be a positive influence on people. You know, it's the beauty <clears throat> of hunting is you can really make it what you want. You yeah. can hunt the way you want. You can make it as challenging or as easy as you want. And you all want to be a positive influence from that standpoint. Um, and just, you know, show people you don't have to do it a certain way you know yeah if you, if you don't want to gun it don't gun it if you if you want to what well, anyway there's a million different examples you could throw out but i think people get too caught up watching seeing what they see on tv or youtube or whatever and thinking that's you know that's the way that has to be done and you know if i can be an example of that's not the case then you know i feel like i've had a good impact i love that yeah it's that and you talked about it earlier like the trial and error you learn <clears throat> you learn best trying things and so you can imagine, you probably get this quite a bit. We get a lot of questions about, oh, I read you can't do this, you have to do this, or or whatever. And and oftentimes the response, at least that I have, is like, well, I mean, you have to try it. Just try it. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm sure maybe that is true, or maybe it's not. Um, but you're never going to learn it truly unless you're out there and you try it. Give it a shot. Like, right. go try this crazy harebrained idea you have about getting close to a buck that you've had a hard time getting you know, go outside the playbook that, you know, you a lot of hunting media is, uh, is like a regurgitation of the same thing over and oh, over yeah. again. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it can be done so many different ways. Um, and man, even, 
you, you, you know, you come from Bill Winky. I mean, how many guys that are in the hunting industry started as interns for Bill Winky and oh. are out there doing it completely different ways? Everybody from you to the, like hunting public guys to yep. just a lot of ways to to skin the proverbial cat, you know, and to, instead of just doing it the same way, it's been, you know, that shows up in hunting magazines and on Instagram and everything else. Yeah. And I, I just think that, you know, clearly you kind of alluded to it, but there's a lot of people that are wanting to be the quote unquote expert on how to do this, how to do that. And, and strategy is great. People can learn from it. Um, you know, teaching is great, but the reality is nobody knows your situation yeah. as well as you do. You know, there are things that someone out there is, is teaching that simply does not apply to you, your deer herd, your property, your, your access, your time, whatever. I mean, there's so many different factors that makes your hunting situation unique. And I think that's what people really need to understand are, you know, your deer that you're hunting are your best teachers. And yeah. you can take things from other hunters and stuff, but if you truly spend time in the field, um, and just learning again on that trial and error basis, that's the best teacher you can, you can have. Um, and the other thing, the other aspect of that too, is I think people tend to focus too much on the end goal of killing something, yeah. um, and not as much as just the enjoyment of the process of it. And, and so that's, that kind of goes back to the storyline and, and how I like to kind of portray the hunts and, and things like that. Yeah. I love that. No, it's, it's an interesting thing, you know, when you take what someone else says as the truth, um, it, it doesn't apply everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you're what, you're in Iowa, right? Uh, yeah. The way that you hunt in Iowa is going to be a little different than the way I hunt in Michigan. You know, deer are 100%. different. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and the way I hunt in my spot in Iowa <laughs> yeah. is different than the guy that's half hour away in Iowa. You know, so it's, it's, it's always, there's no level playing field. Like I, I hate when, when people make hunting out to be a competition because it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, every, every situation is, is unique, like you said. Yeah. Well, in comparison, will rob you of a lot of joy. Um, yeah, and sure. fear of fa like what that ha what happens is you compare. You look at Instagram. You compare. You see uh, Jared Mills is putting down you know regularly two hundred inch. I know it's not regularly, but you're putting down big deer regularly, yeah. man. It's like oh man, I'm such a failure this season. We hear this a lot. This season was kind of a you know kind of a disappointment. And what we've talked about, especially lately, is like to see the end goal at like the end goal as this one 12 month period, I didn't shoot a monster buck and that's a failure. That's that's the wrong way to look at it. I mean, first yeah. of all, if you look at it as this is a giant lifelong puzzle that I'm going to be doing with whitetails. And so this is one season, one chapter of a giant book. It's a great way to do it. And secondly, it's like the learning should be the should be kind of the goal, not the actual shooting of the, the buck. Like for me, I tagged out fairly early this year in uh, Michigan, which was great, but I kind of do miss just being out there and like learning yeah. new spots or checking new areas out. And it's been like, I November one, I was done for, for going for bucks. So I've been just been sitting out there, <laughs> I guess, kind of scouting, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I can't, I just, it, it's so if you change your mindset, I, I think, you're going to have a way better season and just enjoy yourself more. And, and when things go wrong, you can laugh about it and think, Oh, this was an awesome thing. I just learned about never doing this again, or this, sure. this way again, you know, try new things, fail. Failure is the best teacher. 
failure is going to make you a better hunter. And it's just going to help you learn about what, what whitetails specifically, you know, in this conversation do and like, and your area and your state and your region of the country. Yeah. And, and I mean, to be very clear, it's easier said than done, right? Like we can, <laughs> we can preach that, but it's hard for guys. But if you really sit back and like, what is the failure? Like there truly is none. It, for the average guy, what it's not being able to post something on social media or like, you know, he's going to be looked at as a bad hunter from his friend. I mean, there's, there's truly nothing wrong with, with failing. So yeah. the enjoyment is way, way more important. And it's probably even a higher level for someone in my position that's trying to base my whole career around this. Yeah. <laughs> if I were to look at this as like, man, this is, this is business. I have to kill for content. I have to kill for, you know, my partners, et cetera. It'd be way more stressful and I wouldn't get any enjoyment out of this. Um, you know, I had a great season last year and on the flip side, it's been a tougher season this year. Um, I've kind of made it tough on myself, but the reality is I haven't killed a buck yet this year, but if I was looking as, as business, I'd be stressed to the absolute yeah. max right now. You know, but you're out there with a recurve be... and I just saw <laughs> that video you just posted of that dead buck that looked like half beef cow. You're like, what? It's crazy big. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like that's a perfect example of like, man, I think it'd be fun to try to go on the ground. This is the biggest body deer probably I've ever seen. Let's see if I can kill him on the ground with a recurve. Like, yeah. Uh, here I am late in the, later in the season. I haven't killed a buck yet. You know, uh, you know, some people would think about, okay, let's try to find a way to make it easier, maybe up the weapon or, you know, try to put some advantages. But I still have this vision of like, let's keep this fun. And what's the most fun that I can have doing this? Let's go try something super challenging. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's really, you know, over the last couple of years, that's been a big priority of mine is just to keep that mindset of keeping it enjoyable. Like that's the reason we all hunt at the end of the day. You think back to like our early days of hunting and how exciting it was just to be in the woods every single time, like trying to replicate that. Obviously it's not perfectly possible yeah. to do it, but you know, just, just trying to take bits and pieces of that and just keep it enjoyable. Like it's, it's, once you get to that point, it's such a refreshing view on being out there. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the way I've trended the last maybe two years where it started to really actually like, Oh, this is way better this way. You know? Oh, I can, yeah. it's a growth mindset, not a fixed. I, if I, you know, me versus everybody fixed pie, if somebody else does well and I don't shoot one, I'm looking at them like mad at them and feeling bad right. about myself. And there's just no time for that. Right. Um, All right. We're going to take a pause here real quick and just thank a few more guys and companies to help make this show possible. First up is Vortex. We can't say it enough. We love their glass. We love their binoculars, spotting scopes, range finders, their apparel. James, James is rocking a nice little hoodie here. They make awesome stuff, and if you guys are looking to make a purchase at Vortex, go over to their website and use the code TFC20 to save yourself 20% on the next purchase. That's a big, good discount. Use it. Head over there and get something. A bow makes a man. Does and, it? Yeah, that's what I was told, and we're, we're big fans of uh, Prime Bows. Shooting it for years, Michigan-based company. Uh, we're shooting their latest Revix series of bows. Mine's that 36 long boy. I'll generally year. take a few shots right back here and just. Yeah, yeah we, we're huge fans. Smooth, uh, great balance. Um, they're, they're just go check them out. There's tons of technology. One of my favorite things that they have is their grip. 
Mm. Uh, space age space technology age. keeps your hand warm even when it's cold. Um, highly recommend go check out Prime Archery. Finally, Lathrop and Sons boots. Your feet kill animals. Like the more you walk, the more chances you have at, at getting that big buck, that big elk, moose, whatever it is. Uh, Lathrop and Sons have been kind of our go-to boot of choice for a while now. Uh, we've put in a lot of miles, taken them all over the place. There's no leaking. It's comfortable. Stephen and James there, like, spent – they're, like, foot like, they're scientists. Ge- they're geniuses. I got messed up feet, and they basically will – you know, you take an imprint of your foot. They'll look at it, look at your arch, how wide it is, how narrow, how long, and they literally build the boot around your foot. So you're not going to a box store and picking up something that you hope is going to fit your boot. These things actually – are tailor-made to your foot. So they're super comfortable. Mine, I could I could walk all day in them. So if, if, if you're looking to and get a have. boot. If, <laughs> I have. If you're looking for a boot that's made for you and not somebody else, go check up Lake Turpin Sons. So you, you travel. You travel to hunt occasionally. You travel outside of Iowa. Bit, yeah. 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 When you when you do that, um, uh, just on this topic, I guess, like how do you keep that in mind? Sometimes you travel and it's like, man – I'm taking time away from my family, you know, this is a trip, it's expensive. And, and so you get there and it's, at least for me, it's way easier to get into that. Like, if I don't shoot something, if I don't kill, it's, it's a little disappointing. How do you how do you balance that in your head? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. The stakes seem a little bit higher in those situations just because you have more invested. Um, But I think I try to look at not so short term, like to me, that's still a short term, like, being upset long term am i going to look back and you know let's say i kill a younger deer that i normally wouldn't have shot because it's the last day and you know this was this trip was a lot of work and i just want to make sure i take something home a few years down the road am i going to look back at that and be like yeah that was worth it or am i going to be like man i just that's not what i set out to do why did i settle and most of the time that's my take on it is the longer term picture is not what i want I'm not going to just settle just just to make sure I'm happy in the short term to make sure I got something out of the trip. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And trips always have every every hunt or every trip or whatever has its own goal. Everybody's got their own goal. Maybe it's Yeah. You know, I think back to Jared and I did um went and hunted this island in Lake Michigan. Like they it's like a managed hunt. They've got deer that somehow made it to this this island and it's full of ticks and coyotes and deer and like they need help. And so we, we did this hunt and I shot a small like a small eight point, like a little eight point. Rattled him in, you know, it was fun. Actually yeah, rattled him in. There's a whole story I'm sure we did a podcast on it back in the day. But if it wouldn't be a deer I'd shoot here. But I've got that buck yeah. hanging next to my mirror in my personal bathroom at home. And I look at him almost every single night and just warm, fuzzy feelings of that. See, hunt, yeah. You know, that's that's exactly right. Like every every situation is very relative. Right. Yeah. Like if, if it, it could be a good deer for that area or it could just be one of those hunts that, man, it got got you excited. It was such yeah. a cool situation being with buddies, the whole experience um all that stuff plays into how relative that situation is so um yeah i think that's what that's what i base it on i I, i'm not saying i would wouldn't kill a lower caliber deer somewhere or younger age class deer um i'm just saying i wouldn't settle uh in comparison to my goals for that trip just to take something home yeah yeah no i know exactly i know exactly how that goes so um what it's December 12. 
this podcast will go out in a few weeks here, but like, so you're, you're coming up. When does your season end in Iowa? Uh, uh, January 10th. So just under a month. Um, we're actually in the two, two and a half week period of our gun seasons here in Iowa. Yep. So this is kind of my time away from the woods, catch up on, on all the work that I haven't done the last two months. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm just, you know, patiently or impatiently waiting uh, for the archery season to open back up, which will be uh, six days. So okay. uh, six days I'll, I'll be able to get back out and hunt. Um, and basically from that, that time period till January 10th, I'll be out there. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you guys, so like you don't go out gun season at all? No, <clears throat> I don't. I just, uh, this, this is shotgun season. So after shotgun season is over, Iowa has a late woods loader season. Um, but you can use archery equipment during that. Uh, you just can't yep. use archery equi- equipment during the shotgun seasons. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wish you could cause that's weird. It'd be, it'd be nice not to. Yeah. Most States allow you to, even if you have to wear orange or whatever, but you that's know, what I do. No, yeah. There's no archery hunting allowed during these these couple weeks of shotgun season. Interesting. So you uh, you don't go out at all with the the boomstick? Not at all. No. No. This uh, still have interest. You know, at the beginning, I just buy buy archery tags. As whether I fill them or not, it's again kind of goes back to the chase for me. That's that's what yeah. I enjoy, and um, this plus this this two week period provides me a, a good time to catch up on other stuff. Get some sleep and you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You you guys do. Uh, what's your how many doe tags you get there? So it's uh, they allocate by counties. Um, so depending on you know their their management information and their their counts, they allocate a certain a certain number of antler antlerless tags to each county. Yeah. Um, and you can buy as many doe tags as you want until those quotas are out. Uh, the problem is most of the counties I live in run out the first day they open. Oh, uh, really? So you have to buy your doe tags right away. And I, I buy a bunch because I, I help out on a lot of different farms that need, need does taken off. Um, I usually get between, I don't know, 12 and 15 doe tags a year. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, you have to buy them basically day one in my area to – that's insane so people aren't using are they just shooting does real fast is that why how does it go so how does that work i think it's just uh again there's there's certain counties in the state where they have left over all the way through like you could go buy doe tags right now but yeah in my area they're they're, they're i guess they're saying the the population is, is low enough that they don't want to get out that many tags so uh, Talk yeah, about like a difference from Michigan. I mean, Michigan, we, they're like, the DNR is like writing a letter. Like they just wrote like a letter, like, please shoot more does. Like shoot more does. Doe harvest is down like ridiculous right now, um, which is crazy to me. And and so it's just interesting to hear other states and how, what they're seeing. Cause like for us, it's like, please, the, the DNR's approach has been, if we just give them more tags, they'll shoot more deer, which is not really how that works at least for us it's like yeah we, right. we can shoot as many deer as we want yeah okay right. you know oh two now we have 10 tags not eight tags oh now <laughs> you know right not working yeah it's i see both sides um the frustrating part for me is like you know, i spend a lot of time with land management and helping helping landowners um and so a lot of times we have some of the best cover best food in the neighborhood and so our doe population is high 
even though it's in a county that the DNR deems as low population. So you, you almost would like to see it at a more local level than countywide, yeah. because you know maybe countywide that allocation makes sense. But if you look at certain farms, they need those taken off, but you can't get tags. So that that's kind of the frustrating part for me is is a lot of times yeah. we want to fill a few more doe tags, but we just can't get tags. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I, I see both sides, you know, it, there, there needs to be some type of control on the numbers and the, the, how the tag allocation works. Um, but I would just like to see it, you know, at least the option to look at it at a more local level. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, at the beginning, I mentioned all these epic whitetail footage that you, I mean, you had some crazy stuff this year. Um, yeah. When did you, you mentioned, you know, filming for, for Bill and stuff, but like, when did you start, when did you start filming whitetail hunts? Then, <laughs> uh, yeah. when, okay. when, when, <clears throat> when Bill hired me, I didn't know how to turn, turn the dang camera on. Like I knew nothing. Yeah. He, he hired me based on the, you know, his, his outlook on, on me figuring it out. Um, and the, the technical side, you know, isn't that hard with regards to filming and even editing. You know, anyone can learn the technical side of it. It's more that storytelling, creative side that you kind of develop and, and have to have an eye for. Um, so I've, it, it's it's kind of funny looking back at just the overall evolution of it. But the the my passion for the high quality video side has become just as important to me as the actual hunt yeah you know, I, it's you know we talk about levels uh you know different levels of challenges to hunting you know you can use a recurve to a compound to a gun you know or, or in all the different situations to me that's just another level of the challenge for me like i i love that challenge of trying to capture high quality video of these hunts um and so i'm motivated by that just as much as i am anything else yeah that's fun and they're they're great i mean great quality like it, what as you've done it what's been like the hardest thing to figure out when it comes to filming discipline um <laughs> like you you truly if you want to if you want to capture high quality stuff you've got to be so disciplined and almost become videographer first hunter second yeah especially if you're doing it alone right and if, you, if you're self-filming that's why i'm um, such a terrible video guy and i'm like ah, <laughs> oh, screw the camera i'll chuck it out of the tree if i have to you know yeah, I, I the moment a 110 inch buck comes in i'm chucking it out and grabbing my bow <laughs> i think that's 99 percent of guys um yeah so that's you know that's that's probably my answer if you're gonna ask what's the what's the most challenging part is just understanding how disciplined you have to be and, and yeah. you certainly don't have to I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for guys filming hunts i just think you know my experience of being able to look back on everything i've captured and have it all documented um you know, huge advocate for it I, I i would recommend doing it for anybody out there um, but what I always tell them is you don't have to do it at the highest quality level. Like you can do it at a very minimal level and still get enough to look back on for your own memories or just share with family or friends, whatever it is. So yeah. um, there's, there's like anything, there's a lot of different levels to it, but um, I just enjoy the, the really high quality stuff too. Yeah, it is. It's high quality. It's much different than mine. I go out with one of those three, actually it's right here, these 360 cameras. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you that way I don't have to point it. I just push, put it on, you know, and wait. And yeah. uh, usually it Scale captures it some. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, if it's anything over like 
15 feet away, it's going to be hard to see, you know, but at that point, you just take my word for it. It's awesome, you know, yeah, but, but filming's cool because, and I even had this where we just rolled out this uh, moose hunt hunt that I did this September, but you watch it and it's like, oh, I totally forgot. I would never have remembered that, you know, and it was a cool thing, you know, it's like, oh, I never remembered this happened this morning. Uh, I thought I shot this moose on day four, not day six or whatever, because things yeah. kind of just jumbled together after a while. Yeah, that is, which, by the way, that was a very cool production. I enjoyed watching that. You guys did Thank a good you. job with that. It was, I appreciate it. was cool it. to see. Um, but yeah, to your point, like it's it's fun to look back at like the well put together versions like that, like to watch the high quality <laughs> edited video. But I actually find myself more often going back and watching the raw footage. Yeah than i do you know watching mm -hmm. the edited hunt um it's I, I don't know maybe it's just a little bit more you know it, it it puts me in that spot a little bit more than the oh yeah the put together version but um yeah it's either way it's, it's so cool to look back on like i can literally look back on every deer i've ever killed for the past 14 plus years 15 mm -hmm. years um and and it puts you back in that spot right away so instantly that's my favorite, favorite part well, even for that moose hunt, I like to go back and just, there's a, we got this two cameras out for when, when the moose came out, which is like, we're happy about that. Like it just, that normally doesn't happen. And there's yeah. one on me and you could just see me just punching the trigger when I'm shooting. That's like, I'm so shook. I'm just like, boom, you know, I'm not doing this gentle squeeze. Like you're supposed to, I'm just popping stuff off. And, yeah. and so I, I like watch parts like that and just dying laughing. Like, look, I'm freaked out, you know, all shook right there, but no, it's yeah. great. I mean, you look back and it's like, like you said, you are instantly in and you smell it, you hear it, you feel it. It's like you can feel the rain on you or the cold or, or whatever. I've yeah. even got this video that I took one of like the first like Michigan, like public land, like big bucks that I shot here. I shot it. And this was like the iPhone, whatever, like one or two, like the early days. And I yeah. remember I shot it. And for some reason, I, I wasn't trying to film. I just grabbed my phone and I quick took a video of it and I got it falling down in front of me and it's just right. so grainy and you can't really see, but every time I watched it, it's awesome. You know, it yeah, just gets me right back up. there. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a good example of the, the quality level doesn't necessarily matter. Like <clears throat> if you, obviously if you want to replicate the experience as closely as possible to show someone else, yeah. quality is better. Um, but for your own memories and just to put you back in that spot and, for you to remember little details that you know your mind might not remember automatically it doesn't take much it can be a cell phone video it can be a gopro it can be whatever yeah um, so i have that conversation a lot with guys that reach out want to get into filming hunts and um yeah it's just it's a pretty cool thing and i'll i'll always be an advocate for it oh and you get to see i mean what i like even when other guys are filming too is you just see behavior you, i mean talk about learning like what a great way to learn how deer do things by, you know, I've, I've watched a ton of your footage. Just like, look at that snort, like that snort wheeze that you posted a while ago. Yeah. It was like, I showed that to everybody. I'm like, <laughs> you would not believe that the noise this buck made and like how perfect the footage is. Yeah. So it's like, you, you learn a lot about what deer do just by, just by watching other people's amazing footage out yeah. in the woods. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's a kind of a secondary, <clears throat> a secondary benefit that I didn't necessarily think about, um, you know, that learning aspect of, yeah. of showing those things. But uh, yeah, you're right. It's 
it's stuff like that the ability to capture it um when it's something that a lot of people just don't see on a on a regular basis is is pretty cool and i've been fortunate to be in the right spot right time uh you know quite a bit over over the last (laughs) decade or so yeah to to be able to capture some of that stuff but yeah it's it's so cool man so you you got late season coming up. You got rifle moving through and disrupting the deer woods. You got a little. Do you are yeah. you second rut type of guy or like what's your what's your strategy for for putting that buck down the tail end of the year here? You know, a lot of it's going to be food focused. Um, we do because we have higher populations of does, as I was alluding to earlier. We see a little bit more, um, like really late rut activity or does coming back in um, that weren't bred the first time. But uh, for the most part, it's going to be centered on food. Uh, just because you know, either the bucks are going to be feeding or the does are going to be feeding. That's where the bucks are going to be. Um, so. Uh, if we can get cold weather, that always helps. Otherwise, they're not really forced, especially after all the gun season pressure. You know, they can feed in the middle of the night. But uh, if we can get some cold weather and um, some snow, ideally, uh, we have enough food yeah. on the various properties that, you know, the deer will be feeding in daylight. Now, the question is, what's going to be left over to hunt after the gun season is the the big yeah. question. It's just, it, it gets hit so hard everywhere I hunt. Um, so, just to, to find out, you know, it'll, it'll take a few days to try to figure out which bucks made it through. Um, and, you know, it's, it's also that time of year where if you're on the fence about a deer's age or anything, once they make it past those gun seasons, there's a good chance they make it to, to next season. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm probably even more particular during this, this last stretch of deer that I want to kill. You know, even if it's a five-year-old deer, I'm like, man, it would be cool to see what he does at six. I may even may even let them go. So, um, <clears throat> if there are deer left, I'll, I'll make decisions based based on that which ones to hunt. But you know, I definitely want to be a very obvious mature deer at this point in the season, just because of their likelihood of um, making it through uh, is a lot higher once I get mm-hmm. past that stage. You got your eyes on a specific deer at this point. You you and uh, before we get into that, are you a naming guy? Do you name deer? I did a lot more historically. Um, a lot of times, I think my uh, AirPod might have just died, but um, I haven't named as many recently. Um, okay. Sometimes I will uh, just within like, a, you know, buddies, group text or whatever, uh, <laughs> like the one, that really big bodied one, my buddy was called Billy Bob. Um from yeah. the, movie, the movie character, but yeah, um, sure. <laughs> so it, it, you know, we'll, we'll have names like that. But I, I haven't done a whole lot of naming of them in the last last few years, I guess. I don't name them. I, you know, we'll have a couple, maybe like big chungus, you know, big old thick chungus yeah. deer or something like that. But <laughs> most of the time, I shoot a deer I'd never seen before. So I don't know if that just means I'm like occasionally lucky or what. But it's like, ah. Oh, Nothing both the bucks that. i shot this year never seen them before had no what was weird though i shot one and i posted it and some other dude sent me a, a picture of it a trail cam picture of oh, it yeah I, I, I think i've said this in the podcast before but like it does get weird when like you get that or like someone will send you in a picture of you uh on their trail camera on public <laughs> land somewhere hopefully it's on public land i'm hunting somebody's land yeah, yeah. And, you know and you get those pictures in it's like oh okay yeah cool you know that's it's kind of cool i guess yeah. um so yeah, i've experienced yeah. that too where 
you know, I've killed bucks I didn't know. And then all of a sudden every, every guy in the neighborhood or within a few miles sends you pictures of it and say, yeah, I was hunting him or yeah, I had pictures of him. And <laughs> just, just part of it. But, you know, I've been on the other side of it too, where you more know, often deer, than not, deer, yeah, deer you're hunting ends up getting killed somewhere else. So that's that cool. So, so you've got your eye on anything? I am really hoping that really big body deer makes it, uh, just to be able to hunt late season with the recurve. Um, just I want you to shoot a, that one bad. I want to know cool how much quest. it weighs. I know it'd be the first deer I've weighed in a long time, but I, yeah. I can't not weigh him. What's crazy is normally this time of year, they're pretty dang run down. The mature bucks are pretty run down. He doesn't look like he lost a pound. I don't know what. I don't know <laughs> he's what not he chasing does. Right. He's eating. Yeah. yeah. I think that's all he did was he's, he's even got like a little waddle to him when he walks. And <laughs> he's, he's so big. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that'll be sweet. Well, I'll keep my eye out for that. Yeah, I hope he makes it. As far as I know, he's still alive. I don't have, like, any cell cams or anything around where he's living, so I don't know for sure, but I haven't heard of him getting killed just yet. Yeah. No. Cool. Well, Jared, um, thanks for, for taking the time, uh, just hopping on, introducing yourself here to our listeners. And uh, everybody, yeah, yeah. check Jared out. Uh, actually, Jared, if, if people are trying to, um, you know, check out these videos and I'm talking, check out everybody's listening, check out the snort wheeze video. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, where, where can they find you and check out these videos? So YouTube is a primary spot, uh, where I spend most of the time uploading, especially the longer form videos. Um, so that's the best place to, to kind of follow along with the storylines. It's just, just my name on YouTube. Um, I do, I'm trying to be a little more active on social media, uh, on Instagram, um, so some of the shorter form stuff, uh, you can follow along there. Um, but yeah, YouTube's still probably the best, best spot to subscribe and, and follow along with, with the daily hunts. Cool. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. And everybody, like I said, go check them out. Like if you want to get a good crash course and like up close <laughs> deer behavior in Iowa, especially and giant bucks doing really cool stuff, uh, check them out, Jared. Yeah. Uh, thanks again for taking the time. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.